Chats with Larry is a podcast of phone call conversations of me with my best buddy, Larry Keene. Larry is a retired minister and sociology professor, and he has the biggest heart of anyone I know. I'm Rabbi Brian, an ordained rabbi who heads religion outside the box, where I create great spiritual faith, religious content for intelligent digital age seekers like you, people of all religious affiliations of none and everyone in between. I decided surreptitiously to record my chats with Larry with the hope that he would later give permission so that you might enjoy listening in. As you can deduce, Larry gave his blessing. Enjoy as we talk about philosophy, religion, sociology, and life. With love, I'm Rabbi Brian. On today's Rabbi Brian Chats with Larry, six things. One, how much liberty do you require and how much community do you require? Two, boundary maintenance. Three, do we have too much excessive psychic stimulation? Four, what do we mean by God? Five, if we can understand it, is it God? Six, what to say to comfort in times of loss? Took a little nappy wappy. Yeah, I really warmed myself out back there. I never go at something at two miles an hour. It's usually about 200 miles an hour. Well, you're, you're <laughs> so old. when I'm done, I'm, I'm worn out. <laughs> you're old enough to know better. Yep, yep. Yes, he is. Oh, thanks, Virginia. I almost didn't hear you there. I, was, I never need to forget that I'm not only talking to Larry, that I'm talking to his bride. He only puts it on speakerphone. Did everything go okay this morning? Well, last week's service was fantastic. And you know what, Larry? They can't all be home runs. No, that's right. The single is good, you know. It was okay. We talked about the concept of uh, suffering. And um, I had done all the preparation I could. I just couldn't get... I couldn't do any more than I did. In retrospect, I wish I had done things a little bit better than I had and said a few things that I, I thought of later. But it, it was good. People had a good time. Well, it's in Hinduism. That's one of the major planks of Hinduism is to avoid suffering. And so the eightfold path and. Yeah, there we, we talked a bit about Buddhism and uh, the and, and what causes I mean, Buddhism. I, I said, yeah. Uh, what causes suffering, the idea that as and a really wonderful woman, Carol, brought up that in Buddhism, the idea is to that suffering comes from thinking that we are separate from everything and that in Judaism and Christianity, we know that we are we are separate and we're unique and individual. And that's how God loves us and that they're really different uh they're just different mindsets. Not that one's right and one's wrong, but you got to yeah. be careful if you're going to mix them. If you live in this society, be careful not to be trying to live by that society. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the individualism that comes out of that, that on one hand makes us uh, a great nation where we prize individuality, uniqueness. It at the same time weakens the, the the commitment to the group and explain uh, a little bit more it weakens the uh, commitment to the group because we if we're all individuals then why do i have to look after my brother yeah the whole principle of freedom isn't it uh th that we prize so highly that we're so free that we get to sh enjoy the fruit of our labors you know uh we're free to act individually 
and to enjoy the fruit of our labors. And that really focuses on the on the self and and the freedom to be separate from one another weakens at the same time the group mind or the bond to the community. Right. Which are are so important in some cultures is that that individual freedom is sacrificed to the well-being of the group. Well, we all do and, that to some extent, too. You can't just take a shit anywhere you want. You got to live, live in community. Yeah, no, that's right. And it, I used to I used to ask um, my students at the beginning of when I started teaching uh, about 50 years ago, I'd ask the students, would you rather have more freedom, more freedom to be an individual and to enjoy the fruit of your labors, right? Would you rather have more of that, or would you rather have more of a sense of belongingness uh, to the group? Oh, that's interesting. You have to have one or the other. You can't have both. No, that's right. And uh, wait a second. And, so, in order for me to belong to a group, I have to give up individual freedoms. Yeah, that's right. Right, because the group yeah. says we don't eat horse. Yeah, that's and right. We don't poop anywhere we want. So, in order to be part of a group, I have to give up my individual liberty that's right Right. but isn't that what we're doing right now with these face masks and that's why people are protesting they don't want to give in to the will of the of the of the group you know of of the state or the government right you know the the word they use is you're taking my liberty away so 30 40 years ago when i'd asked the question the students would rather have a society where we were more equal more equal and less free uh, than to have a society that was more free and less equal. Yeah, but that's not fair. That's not fair because you were at a you were definitely you you had a skewed demographic teaching at a Christian school. It's crazy that, but it, but what happens now in the last twenty years? I ask the same question, and it's the complete reverse. I can't hardly find a student in a class of three hundred that will raise his or her hand and say. I would like a society that's more equal, even if it means losing some of my liberties and uh-huh. freedoms. You know, it's the same same school, same okay, Christian well, so, school. So pardon me for jumping in and saying you had a skewed audience because things changed. Now, the only yeah, other thing that changed was you got older, but I don't think that was the thing that changed. So you think society has changed? Well, right. We have that whole phenomena of bowling alone, that we, we, we are much yeah. more individual and less connected. And computers has exacerbated that whole social uh, climate, you know, and cell phones and things like that. We can, well, I, I would say, it, right, because now I don't need You're trying to fight that with this program of yours. You're trying to cut into that inclination to be separate. To use that technology to pull people together. Right. And people, people because... I don't need to be friends with the people, my neighbors, because I can find a group on the Internet to be friends with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering, you might know better than I would, qualitatively, how would you measure that? Is amity with your neighbor of a deeper substance than amity with people on the Internet? Help me out with the word amity, because I don't know that one. Well, the, 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 the warm bonds. The, the the closeness, the warmth, is the quality of the quality of the primary relationship that you're trying to form. Is that deeper, richer over the internet than it is over the back fence? 
Well, it's a lot easier because, you know, and anyone can just ghost out of a service that I run. They can ghost out of an Internet group. You don't yeah. you're, you're commit you're you're buying as opposed to moving, you know, moving. That takes some work. So I better get along with my neighbor. But on the Internet, I can flame somebody in the comments and then yeah. disappear. Yeah, it's almost built in, isn't it? That sense of uh, potential distance that you can create. And I wonder if that inclination to create distance inhibits the depth of um, connection, right? Yeah, depth, the depth of the connection forming truly primary bonds, the kinds that you have with your children and your spouse and your relatives, those primary bonds that are deep. and Yeah, they're and, not easily severed. That's Yeah, yeah. This sense of we-ness that our society had at one time in our culture um, is, uh, and I remember from the doc documentary, you like to use the word the other. We turn people into another. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Other. I was just wondering about that because you said... So we set up two different things. Oh, my gosh. I so love having conversations with you. We set up two things of of that. You're going to be part of a group or you're going to have freedoms. Yeah. And I was thinking back and I remember exactly where I was driving when we had this. And somehow it makes it easier for me to remember that way. I remember I was driving over uh, one of the bridges here in Portland. And we talked about that if you to become part of a group as a way to make oneself, uh, we didn't use this word, but to make oneself feel larger or as a response, uh, I would put it this way as that we make ourselves part of a group as a response to the finitude of life. That's a new phrase yes. I'm enjoying, right? That, yeah. that yeah. I feel small, I feel scared. So I'm going to, I'm going to be part of, I'm an American, I'm a Portlander, I'm a Jew, I'm part of a group. Yeah, and I remember, right. right, I'm off of the bridge and we talked about that if I'm part of a group, as soon as I make the group, I immediately define an other. As soon as I'm in an in crowd, then there's an out crowd. Yeah. And you right. said <laughs> you said that the the problem that comes of that is winds up that we learn more about what the other group isn't than what the other group is and further exasperate our separation. That's right. Yeah. So this brings yeah. me back to the Buddhism thing, right? Well, what if we're not separate at all? There's a great phrase that in that the people, native folks in Hawaii don't see that the islands are separated by water, but they're connected by water. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a nice image? Mm -hmm. That, yeah. that I'm going to say, as the more I am connected to other people, the more connected I am to everyone, even the police officers who I think are schmucks around Portland right now. But the more I can tap into my connection to them, the less othering mm -hmm. I do to them. Mm -hmm. Help me finish that thought out. The more you lose a sense of who you are, except in the sense that you define yourself connected as a part of the other. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And the less involved that you are in bound boundary maintenance you know as long as they want to stay unique and wait 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 say group. about boundary maintenance yeah as long as the group the group is important to us we are constantly involved in boundary maintenance 
defining who we are as opposed to who they are. And in order for our group to remain strong, we have to keep maintaining a clear understanding of what our boundaries are, what we won't go beyond. Ain't this one of the problems that I'm trying to address with religion outside the box is saying, that's right. Fuck the boxes. I mean, there can't be any boxes if we're doing this right. Yeah. And and the same with boundaries, because boxes are boundaries, aren't they? Yeah, because this fits in this box. This fits in that box. That's right. You know, this Mm -hmm. reminds me of a quote. Lao Tzu. He said, unawareness of one's waist is a sign of pants that fit. Unawareness of one's feet is a sign of shoes that fit. Unawareness of right or wrong, and I could even say unawareness of this or that, is a sign of a mind at ease. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Yeah. How nice. I like that. It's a good quote, isn't it? That really is a good one. Yeah. There's a. Oh, you remember the name. <laughs> say again? You see, that's why we remember his name. Right, because it's a good quote. <laughs> yeah, it's got a bunch of them. <laughs> Uh, there's um, a, there's another one. You go ahead. I, I know. I just found well, it, it. It's the struggle that we who aren't hermits have to face. You know, when we live in a civilized society that's made up of, of people who are particularly who are different. It's not all societies that people are different. There are some differences. Some are older and some are heavier and some are stronger. But But in some societies, they're all basically the same. So... You have a different set of problems. Tell me what those are. Well, for instance, you tend to see things in the same way. So you're not open to new vistas, new, it's Plato's cave, you know. That nobody's bringing any, that that it's all same. New information. Well, then there's there's no art. There's nothing uh, new. There's, There's nothing new. Everything is recycled. And there is a, there, there's advantages to that. You know, you, you don't have confusion. Uh, you you have a sense of group solidarity. You're not standing alone. If you need help, you've got it. There are, you know, lots of advantages in living in that kind of a society. And you don't have your understandings shaken by someone in there. I suppose every once in a while someone would come up and say, you know, that that's not square. That's a circle. For the most part, you have concord. People agree with one. Yeah, another. yeah. But you don't have any dynamism. You don't, as you said, you don't have any art. You don't have any change. Right. Uh, you have robots. Right. And if you do have art, you have art that replicates what is. That's why the cave dwellers drew pictures of animals. They they weren't challenging anything. They were just illustrating what was. Right. And there's nothing new. It was what they were familiar with. But in a society like ours, there's plenty of dynamism. Yeah, sure. Lots of change. And uh, George Zimmel, a famous German sociologist, said the problem, though, of living in this kind of society is that you're bombarded with excessive psychic stimulation. I have that written down on on my clipboard from the last time you used that phrase. That we have too much excessive psychic stimulation. Yeah, we're just stimulated all over by people who are very different, and it creates stress and some and considerable anxiety. So it's easier to have groupthink. Yeah, but 
it, it doesn't matter if it's easier, but you're separating yourself out. You, what, so wait, if I have groupthink, then I lose individual liberties. Well, no, that, I can't do that. I mean, I got to you know, That's you've been you've been exposed. Once you're exposed to liberty, it's an intoxicating experience, isn't it? Well, you're I don't want to go back in the cave. I know that's right. But I long for it every once in a while when I'm overly stimulated. And, well, you uh, want to live my, up in a mountaintop where nobody visits yeah, you. Yeah, I'm I'm structured that way anyway. But I, I go to carpentry and spend a couple of days. And after about the third day, I find myself talking, going out in the street and trying to find a neighbor who's outside. Anybody to talk to. Yeah. I found. So I, I have limits, too. So I found the quote. Uh, Rabbi Yechiel Mike Michiel of Zotzloff. This is the guy. He said this. Easy for you to say. Yeah, right. He said, <laughs> he said, it's the opposite of what everyone thinks. They assume that when they hang on to things that matter in this world, they are something. But ask yourself, how could anyone who might not wake up in the morning be important? If, on the other hand, because of your fusion with the creator, you think of yourself as nothing. Then you are very great indeed, like the branch of a tree that realizes it is one with the root and the root is one without end, the endless, the one of nothing. And so the branches, too, it is limitless. Mm -hmm. The whole that all of it is connected. I mean, I, I think that goes back to this Buddhist idea that we are all connected. It's all in in together. But I'm trying to bring that back to my Judeo-Christian idea that we're all individuals and unique snowflakes and we have to blossom to be exactly who we are. Because I would like to offer a challenge to you. Challenge accepted. Because you are the one that introduced to me the phrase, the God of your understanding. Uh -huh. And that is so basic to religion outside the box right because you have not insisted that somebody's definition of god had to be yours or well, yours it wouldn't make any sense it can't be so my question and challenge you is there's a couple of them one is what would happen to us if we were to conclude that there is no god well you can still or, that is still a god of your understanding no no that, that we couldn't call it god because we assumed ahead of time there isn't one. And if we assume that there isn't one, then we can't use the, the trap of language to save our butt. Uh, you're losing me a little bit there, buddy. If there is no, probably D, I, question uh, number two should be question number one. All right, let's the start with that. I was going to say, um, uh, I think it would be a wonderful session for you to lead on what do we mean by God? Well, I, I'm not, uh, I can tell you, I think most, most preachers would tell you the same thing. I can clearly tell you what we, when the God you don't believe in is also the God I don't believe in. Um, that, sure. that, that, that part, but I, I'd go, so your, yeah, well, so your challenge is. You know, our, our, lang our language betrays us because when we, uh, we talk to God, we talk to God in very personal terms. Uh -huh. Often, most often, refer to God as Him. I talked to Him yesterday. You know. Yeah, you know, I got problems with that patriarchy thing, and also sure. it's limiting. Yeah. And and that's one thing that I would say about God is, well, you you have quotes on this one, but 
as soon as you're defining it, you've lost the game. That's you've lost the game. That's right. So it doesn't help to refer to God as her. No, God is. That, <laughs> you're that's, just, that's, you're um, just losing it in a different. <laughs> oh no no! Obviously, Virginia is is divine. We're we're not going to argue with with her. No, that that that's fine. I'm fine. We can agree on that. But it's almost uh, the majority of Christians anyway think of God as a person. Well, yeah, and they use language like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, is is a God as a person. And that even Jesus, when he prayed, prayed to his father. Yeah, but not only right, our Daddy. father. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, in quiet corners, we could say to one another, "Well, Jesus was stuck in the time he was stuck in, and he was yeah, could only use the language that was available to him at that time." But um, thinking people since the 16th century, I have a hard time thinking of God as someone out there. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, An external, that classic deist notion that God is all the omnis, omnipotent, omniscient, uh, uh, omnipresent. There you go. No, you I, go. I, yeah. I got no, I don't know where we came up with, well, I do know where we came up with that idea historically, but I think we might have made a, a slight wrong turn. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, so it, once once God is vacated in our thinking, then what do we do with the language that we've traditionally used where we've invoked him? You change it. There you go. And, and what sort of form does those changes take? How, how, would, how would that look to us, you know? Well, you use the phrase God of my understanding, and you, you stop using these pronouns that, that are, and stop using imagery that's archaic. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I know it's comforting, but it's just wrong. And there's no reason to to perpetuate things that are just just. And what the very paradox is that you mentioned it a moment ago, if we can understand it, it isn't God. Right. I think there was a phrase. I don't know who said it. God is just beyond our mortal understanding. Yeah. So which makes the whole conversation kind of silly. Well, there's also um, we can go with via negativa, right, that you can only define Mm -hmm. God in terms of what God is not. Yeah, like you say, God is not finite, and probably everything I can say about God, I can I can also say the opposite. I could also say God is not infinite. Sure, I think the Jews have done it better than the Christians have. Thank you. We'll take the point. Thank you. What what do we do? And and I think that what I'm trying to say is that when you've lost a child, your tendency then is to invoke, invoke the Almighty in some form. What do you say to parents who've lost a child? Uh, you'll see him someday in heaven. Uh, we, we develop all kinds of strategies to bring peace to the moment. Yeah. You know, even if they're dubious, um, dubious in nature, they don't exist. They shouldn't, shouldn't talk that way since it's non-reality. Yeah. So how, I, do you deal I, with how do you deal with those, those challenging moments in life? So in Jew, Jewish tradition is when you when you go to a mourner's house, you don't speak until the mourner speaks. And you can go to a mourner's house. And if the mourner, the immediate mourners aren't talking, the whole room is silent. And that that's the is you just meet the person where they are. You don't give them platitudes. Who the hell needs a Yeah, right. I, I often you get a kick out of this. I don't know if I ever told you when somebody passes and uh, one of the bits of advice that I give, I say, hey, listen, 
do this as a game with your brother. It's going to sound really stupid, but just try this is play a game with your brother is collect the stupidest things people have said to you about grandma's death. And anytime someone says something absolutely asinine, instead of you getting angry of like, how dare they say that? Instead, just think, oh, I'm going to win. Bobby's never going to have anything as bad as what this one just said to me. Because <laughs> saying na- Nana's with God now, that doesn't like what? what is that? Oh, she had a good she lived a long life. That doesn't help. Don't say stupid shit. Just I'm sorry for your loss. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, no, that's that's probably as honest and as helpful as you could possibly be. Yeah. It's like a policeman saying to someone whose child has been kidnapped, we'll find him, you know. Wait, 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 explain that to me. I don't get that one. The policeman says to the parents, it's just lost a child through kidnapping. Yeah. But don't worry, yeah. we'll find him. Well, they don't know if they're going to find him. So, th- so that would be something the police officer should not say? Should not say, no. In other words, you're you're promising something that you can't deliver. But you can you say we, we will spend we, we will try to yeah we will put all of we our will efforts turn over into every finding. stone possible to find him. Yeah, that's honest, and you can deliver that. And I think we 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 kind of play policeman with people's spiritual hurts, anguish is that we promise things that that we have no right to promise. No, that's, so we that's have to not develop a new kind of language, you know, to to be comforting to them. How can we be your idea? I remember reading something about a a boy who sat with an old man on a bench and uh, who had lost his wife or something like that. And his friend asked, well, what did you say to him? And he says, I didn't say anything. I just cried with him. Yeah. You know, that's about as close as we can get. Just being and present to somebody. Com- comforting as we can get yeah and it's and it's bonding and it's healing it's all of the things we want with words but words can't always do it and we have to we have to be wary of the treachery of words because the the wrong words can be really so let let me go back to the very start here and we talked about belonging to a group or having freedom now if my child is kidnapped you're darn right. I'm going to want a community around me. I'm going to need yeah, a community that, to lean on. Yeah, we need. In in sociology, they have the phrase Gemeinschaft. Gemeinschaft and Gesellschaft. Yeah, I, I you've taught me those. Yeah. One is the way of the city and one is the way of the country folk. The, the village, yeah. One is the way of the heart and the other is the way of the mind. You know, those kind of contrasts. One's intimate, one's distant well help me, help me tie that together because i'm not making sense we all need gemeinschaft we, we all, all need to be comforted we all, need, we all need yeah we all need closeness we all need primary bonds in life so if i were to give it as a assignment to people i say all right so here's here's going back to professor keen is i want you to look at how much liberty do you require and how much community do you require and do yeah. a self-assessment. Are they where you want them to be? Do you have enough community? Do you have enough freedom? And if the balance is not right, go mm-hmm. go fix it yourself. Those values are in tension with one another, aren't yeah. they? They pull against one another. Well, you've often um, said, so you, you, I remember when I left the synagogue 
and I started to do this religion outside the box. You said, well, Brian, you don't, there's not a community. There's not a, a um, you know, an every Sunday group of people. Yeah. yeah. And I remember you didn't understand how I could live my life and not have that kind of community. But Jane and I, you, you saw it. We had that community on our block. We had community around us in our, in our friends without yes. a church. You were good at that. You were good at community building. Yeah. You're unusual, unusually good, I would say. Yeah. And now I have this, um, I, I have a, uh, I've helped to foster a community of people who, <laughs> who are like the, the misfits who not, now I wouldn't even say the misfits, but the people who know that they are all individuals and we are a group of individuals. Is that a possibility? Can we be a group it of is. individuals that but we all give each other freedom to be ourselves, free to be you and me? Yep, that's it. Is it? But it's a it's a difficult medium. You recognize that going in, that the telecommunications medium is not does not lend itself. It lends itself to liberty and uh, even to creativity, but it doesn't lend itself. No. I, I disagree. It's, it's I think so on, on in a dyadic relationship when you with two people, no. you know, the young people do that all the time. They're on the phone with each other all day long. I, I agree with you, but I d- disagree with you. I agree with you for a dyadic relationship, just two people. But I have been able to repeatedly get groups of people on the Internet who live in far different situations from each other to come together. And to open their hearts and be human together and create a community just in and they don't have to show up. They don't have to ever come back, but they do. Well, that's a testimony to you. You are a pastor at heart. Yeah. And you have used a medium that is difficult to make that happen. But you have made it happen. I don't think I, it's difficult to make it happen. I think you just have to put your intention toward I, I, I'm not I don't have magic powers. Yes, you do. Oh, well, I can do a few tricks. <laughs> you have engagement skills. Wow. You are enable people to engage with you. That's true. And uh, you are magical in that. And uh, not everyone can do that, but you're doing it. And I salute you. I just think it's you're making Gemeinschaft and Gesellschaft exist in one program that you've developed. You can create distance if you want it, you know, but you can also experience the closeness. Yeah. Uh, and you've made that happen. And You know how I do it, happen. Larry, is I just I'm open and I'm honest. And as the leader of the group, yeah, I yeah. just I model just being human and it that's gives right. other people the permission to be human. I think that's the key right there. Yeah, it, it's not magic. You know what magic it is? It's the magic of vulnerability. It's my ability That's to right. say, you know what? I might look like a fool here. Um, I don't even say that. I don't even care. There there are people, especially one to whom I'm married, who find it just maddening that I can do something and just let it fail. Yes, that's right. You're, you're a different kind of person. Yeah. yeah. And maddening is the word that other kinds of people. What's that, Jenny? Which, that's not you? Being vulnerable? Doing something and, and, and fails being okay. If you fail, that's not okay. Yeah, yeah no, no, you hold yourself to a much higher fair. standard, Virginia. That's why you do better things than I do. Uh, no. She's a perfectionist. I will keep doing it until I get it right. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, she is. Well, I'm not that way. Well, I can stop a little short of perfection. Okay, but, well, you didn't say anything, but today was the first time I've I walked out of my sun off the sun porch without, without your walker. Daniel, Good for you, walk. and no pain meds either. And <laughs> hardly I, any. I still have a few. I've got ten more times to take the two point five. Oh, that's nothing, honey. To be through. Good for and you. And then goes nothing. Yeah. Four days, but uh, I walked out there. I sat down in the chair that was in the patio for just a little bit. Then I walked out and I went over and I said, why are you not pulling these weeds out of my hydrangeas, Larry? Listen to this. So I just <laughs> was busy and he said, because I don't want you <laughs> or something like that. That sounds right. <laughs> so I did it. She didn't. She's paying for it now, but she felt very yeah, proud. I've got ice on my back. Now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it'll, it'll, it'll be all right. Yeah, and Larry, she wouldn't have to do that if you would just do her bidding, man. That's right. I have a hard time doing that. It's taken me 63 years. I'm better at it. You're, you're, I think, as they say in Indiana, as they say in Indiana, pertinere, but not plum. Pertinere, but not good enough for government work. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, I love you, buddy. I love you too, my have friend. Good, have a good weekend. I cherish these moments. I do too. I love you very much. Bye, my friend. Bye. That was this week's episode of Chats with Larry. Please, before you listen to another episode or do something else, think about two friends who might enjoy listening to this and send them a text or email right now. Tell them to listen to Chats with Larry. Thanks to Steve Koch, my producer. There will be another episode next week. And thanks to all of you who donate and support to Religion Outside the Box. Religion Outside the Box can be found at ROTB.org. On the website, you can sign up for the 77% weekly, my spiritual religious faith message delivered to your inbox 40 out of 52 weeks a year. You can shop at the Etsy store for great religious spiritual faith creations. Learn more about the Saturday service and stop on by some Saturday, 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for a live streamed dog free religious service open to everyone. And a special thanks to Virginia Keene and as always to my BFF, Larry Keene. I love you, buddy. 